We are finishing up this series that we just did on Daniel chapter one, Daniel chapter three, Daniel chapter six, asking which chapter are we living in? And it really was a progression. If you've not been with us, I'll get you up to speed. In the book of Daniel, we have the story uh, in Daniel chapter one, it's, it's let's see if God's ways are better. In Daniel chapter three, it's do you really believe that? And if you really do, you're gonna have to face the fiery furnace. And in Daniel chapter six, we have are you gonna really stand strong? Are you gonna really believe this? I mean, you are going to have to face the lion's den. And as a kid growing up in church, and that was an amazing story with the lion's den, but I gotta say, right now, as I'm wondering which chapter are we living in, the lion's den doesn't seem so cute anymore. It seems rather real. And I really believe we are heading to Daniel chapter six moment of will you stand strong? So for those of you that are unfamiliar with the story, just wanna get you up to speed on this. Um, in Daniel chapter six, the leaders are jealous. There's about 120 leaders and they are jealous in Babylon and they see Daniel. Daniel has favor, Daniel has God's blessing on him and they are trying to figure out how to bring him down, how to get him out of the way and they realize this, there's nothing they can do against him unless it involves his faith. So in Daniel chapter six, reading in verse four, it says, at this, the administrators and the satraps, which by the way, a satrap is a governor, uh, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Side note, how awesome is this guy? And for you, if the only thing people can find against you is your faith, praise God, you are living good for God. It says, finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis or charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Interesting. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, satraps <laughs> advise you get all these names, all these leaders. They, they've decreed that the king should have an edict. And they said, you know, just worship you for 30 days. And if they don't worship you for 30 days, they're thrown in the lion's den. And it's interesting. I mean, Daniel had success. He didn't compromise. And they had to find fault in his faith. And they had to put his faith and his loyal service or his faith and his patriotism against each other. It's interesting, he's being loyal to the country that he's serving in, but he's being loyal to his God and they're putting this and they have a, a 30 day law, which is interesting. You say, why 30 days? Because most kings in, in those days would allow people to worship other people and worship other gods. And worship, but for a 30 day, like, hey, look at me, aren't I great? Aren't I everything? Most kings would go for a 30-day decree. And so the king's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's elevate my status for 30 days. We won't make people worship me the whole time. And then they say, if they don't worship you, they get thrown in the lion's den, which interesting, most kings had lions. And you know, through history, we see that they would hunt them, release them and hunt them, or in this scenario, feed them to their, you know, their enemies would be fed to them. So, so we see this, they have this going on and they make this decree and in verse 10 it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. It's interesting, Daniel's like, doesn't phase me, 
doesn't phase me, I'm gonna pray and do like I've done all along. Now, I wanna let you know, between Daniel chapter one, where he's a teenage boy, in Daniel chapter six, he is now 80. He is over 80 years old. Over 80 years old. So just, just get this context of been there, done that, don't care. The picture I have in my mind is like an old guy with like dress socks and, and tennis shoes mowing his lawn, and he doesn't care what you think because he's like, been there, done that, I don't care what you think. And that's Daniel right now. And he's like, I am not going to change what I do. I'm going to pray. And it's interesting, three times a day he leaves the temple or leaves the palace and goes to his house to pray. Three, and he's been doing it every day. And he's like, not changing, not doing it. Now, when the king hears like, oh, king, Daniel has been breaking the rules. Daniel, and he's like, oh, they tried to get Daniel. That's what they tried to do with this. And they got him. The Bible tells us that the king was looking for a loophole. And this is what makes it so real to me is the king was looking for a loophole. Isn't that just like us? We look for a loophole. We make a rule. There's a rule. We want to get around the rule. And the king's like, I'm looking for a loophole. I'm trying to save my friend. And then he realizes I can't save my friend. I can't save this guy who's been so faithful and so strong. And I've got to follow through. And so he goes and verse uh, 16 says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. And he has a sleepless night and he comes to the edge of the the cave, the edge of the pit and, and Daniel's fine. And in verse 20, it says this, when the king came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. May God, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And then the king was overjoyed and they get Daniel out of the den and, 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 and nothing's found, no problem with him. And then he throws his enemies in. I mean, how is that for a story? And again, this is the chapter where I believe we are headed, where governments will use our faith and our patriotism, our, our, our loyalty to God and our desire to be good citizens against us. And it's all over the Bible, and it seems weird to think that that's where we're heading now as a country and as a people. But I mean, we shouldn't think it's strange. I mean, Daniel faced it, Esther faced it. We have that wonderful story there. In Acts chapter four, when the church was started, they were like, you can't preach. You can't, and they said, no, we're gonna obey God and we're gonna preach the name of Jesus. Doesn't matter if you beat us, doesn't matter if you imprison us, we are going to obey God. I mean, when, when cities have fallen and when Israel had cities that would fall, the Romans would come and rebuild it. And when they'd rebuild it, they'd say, now worship me. Worship me as the leader and say that you pledge your loyalty, that I'm like God to you. And some people would and some people wouldn't. So it's happened throughout history. And, and even right now, if I could talk current, in China in 2017, Xi said, you will worship me and you will take down pictures of Jesus in your home and you will put up pictures of me. That, that's not like Bible times, that's like 2017, where people are being told, this is what you will do. You will worship me. Um, with COVID recently, 
They were giving out government aid in China. And a lady, when she received her government aid in China, she said, oh, thank God. They took her aid away. They took the money away from a lady that all she did is say, thank God. And they said, no, you don't say thank God. You say thank Xi, thank the Communist Party. Now, you would think, come on, seriously? When I was in China, I remember sitting in a cafe talking with a young man who was part of the Communist Party. We had a wonderful time having coffee. And then I said, God bless you. And he looked at me and he didn't know what to say. And then he said, Communist Party, bless you. I said, well, you got the better end of that deal. You know, God blessing you is way stronger than, do you understand this is happening? I mean, as I said earlier, with Obamacare, we had the Little Sisters of the Poor and Hobby Lobby being forced to do abortion provisions within their healthcare. And they're like, no, our government was forcing people to go against their conscience. In Washington, D.C., just this last week, Students for Life America wrote on the sidewalk, Black Preborn Lives Matter. That's what they wrote. They got arrested. They've been writing this and on the sidewalk for years. But they literally got arrested, even though they told the authorities what they were gonna do. They even asked, what type of product can we write on the sidewalk for? And the police were there and arrested them. And now they're suing the mayor of Washington, D.C. But you don't sue kings. That's why Daniel faced the lions. That, do you, I could go on and on, and I'm not trying to politicize this because we're not about politics. We're about Jesus. But I'm telling you, Daniel chapter six is where politics and faith collide. And in California, this weekend, the, 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 the mayor of Los Angeles has threatened to shut out the power of any church that meets. It's against the law for any church. Now, protest at any size you want, but you can't have church. You cannot have church. You cannot have a small group in California. Do you understand? This is going on right now. John MacArthur with Grace Community Church, they're saying we're meeting, we're doing it. Church is essential. We are not going to forsake gathering together. This is happening. Who would have thought that this would happen? And I just, as I look at what's going on in our country and in our world, I see this and it just troubles me. I see people getting in trouble for having a faith belief that says, I don't wanna endorse this religious event or political event. And if I could say this, we could solve this really easy. We could say there's general business and endorsing business. So like generally, Target has to sell products to anyone, general business. They don't have to endorse a political or religious thing unless they want to. An artist, has to sell their product. Like Coldplay has to sell their music to everybody in a general way, but they don't have to endorse your political event or your religion. So that we should separate general business, endorsing business, and it would, but see, that's not what's wanted. When there's a collision between a spiritual dynamic, it doesn't matter. Let's not make sense. Let's have a collision. God help us. 62% of people right now in the climate are afraid to share their views. 62% in right now in America are afraid to share their views. There's a collision here. And so I'm saying with the minutes that we have left, what can we learn from Daniel? If this is where we're headed, what can we learn? First of all, Daniel was faithful daily. Number one, Daniel was faithful daily. Prayer was his power. He was 80 years old. He had seen kingdoms come and go. And what we've got to realize is let's be faithful daily. Three times a day he prayed. Um, 
He was just doing what he'd always done. And I wanna speak out to our church and say, let's keep doing what we've always done. If, if you are able to come to worship, if you are able to do that, I encourage you to make your way to the local gathering. Now I know our online campus spread out around the world and I praise God for them, but for those that are able to come and worship, like if you wanna destroy faith, don't bring children to church. I mean, just have them play games. I'm looking at this saying, let's be faithful, let's be faithful, let's be faithful. Day in, day out, let's be faithful. I'm trying to figure out how to do like a show up day for church where we just say like, everybody show up, even if you can't get in the building, let's show our numbers strong. Like we're, God's doing something. But Daniel was faithful daily and I wanna speak to you, stay faithful daily, stay faithful daily, read the word, spend time in prayer, do the faithful things daily. Secondly, when faced with the crisis, he didn't need a cheering squad, he owned his faith. You have to get there, you have to own your own faith. Kids have to get there where they have to own their own faith. And they have to say, this is my faith. My parents might have told me about it, but it's my faith. I own it. In, in Daniel chapter one, there was group courage. Hey, this group. In Daniel chapter three, there was crowd courage. Like, we'll stand together. Come on, you stand and I'm standing. You stand. In Daniel chapter six, it was, I'm standing. I'm standing. I own my faith. I, I think about the song, like, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I mean, I remember just specific times in my life where I felt it, like it's my faith, I own this, it's mine. It doesn't matter, if no one stands with me, I'm standing. In Luke 9, 26, it says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I mean, we're, you gotta own it. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. First Corinthians 16, three says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. I speak that over our church. I speak that over people that are listening right now. Own your faith, be strong, be firm. I mean, praise God. We get to look at Jesus' example and see what he endured and know the love that God has for us with the cross. Daniel didn't get that. How strong was this guy to say, I own my faith? It's real, it's mine, it doesn't matter. If, if though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning. You gotta get there, every one of us. Recommit right now, recommit, man. I own my faith, this is real to me. Another thing is, he didn't protest a disputable matter, but rather a deep conviction. What do I mean by that? Romans 14.1 says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Like there's just disputable matters and things that they're, they're not persecution, they're disputable matters. And I'll give you one right now. Um, okay, masks right now. Masks are a pain. Masks are disputable. Some countries are doing them. Some people aren't. Our country is doing it. Our state, Minnesota is doing it. Other states aren't. Do you understand? It's a disputable matter. Please don't cheapen persecution and say, Masks are persecuted, they're not. They're disputable matters, okay? It's not persecution. Now, so let's not fight over disputable, we'll work with it. Crowd size could be disputable matter as long as we're effectively able to worship. Now, if you can't meet and you can't pray and you can't say the name of Jesus, now we're talking, now it's like that Acts chapter four moment. And it's like, wait, we've gotta preach. We've gotta say what we believe. Do you understand? So how do you know if it's like 
Acts 4, I gotta preach, or let's not worry about a disputable matter. Uh, how, how do you know if it's Romans 13 where I'm supposed to obey the governing authorities? How do you, how do you know? Well, first of all, you gotta count the cost. Secondly, you should get wise counsel. And, and third, you should have biblical support. Another thing to look at, is it about you making a name? Are you trying to get in the headlines? Or is it truly about God? Another thing, have you exhausted all legal options? I mean, think about the king. He's looking for the loophole, looking for the loophole. What is he trying to do? The king was even trying to exhaust all legal options before the conflict had to take place. Have we looked at all those things? And then have we just said, okay, it's contradicting what God's law says because for the Christian, God's law is the highest. God's law is the highest. I can't disobey God. So I've got to obey God. I can't guarantee what's gonna happen. I mean, I look at Daniel chapter six and I love that there's this amazing ending. I love it that, that it's like, yes, he gets out of the lion's den and, and you know, I don't know if there was an angel that kept him away. I don't know if they, he slept on him. I don't know if he, you know, rode him around the room. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but I know this. What a great way that this turns out. But as we face this, there are real issues. There are people that, that are being persecuted today that have to live in a Daniel 6 world. So they have to close shop, they have to resign, they have to face time in jail, they lose money, they pay with their life. I have a pastor friend that is in Europe and he was the best student with a PhD. And he went and the KGB told him in his country, they said, you will spy on the church. He said, I will not, I will not. They said, then you lose your job. He lost the best, he was the best student, PhD, lost it all and he was a baker. He got another opportunity years later to do it gets there, they said, you will spy on the church. He said, I will not. They said, you will stay a baker. These are, this is real. Like I've talked, this is my friend, I know him, okay? I've had dinner with people in Cuba that were persecuted, that were beat, that limp from the pain of the beatings. I watched a man take off his shirt and show us the cigarette burns all over his body because he said, I stand for Jesus in a country that prohibits me for standing for Jesus. This is very real. This is not, I'm telling you about something that happened in Daniel chapter six. I'm telling you about something that happened. I've been a part of it. I've talked to these people. I've met these people. This is very real. Standing for Jesus is hard enough. Um, you don't wanna stand for a disputable matter. You're not gonna bring on persecution for something that's just, okay, an inconvenience. But when it becomes real, when it becomes, I have to stand for my faith, we have to stand for our faith. We have to stand for our faith. The last thing I'll say about Daniel was his love for God was stronger than his fear of kings and lions. And when you're gonna stand for God, he doesn't want us to be fair-weathered people. He doesn't want us to be like, when it's good, I'll love you. When the sun is shining, I'll love you. He's saying, I want you to stand for me and love me. I love Jesus so much, I don't wanna see him sad. I'd rather lose everything over here than, than gain it all and, and lose Jesus. I, I don't wanna walk away. I mean, standing for Jesus may be hard, but walking away from him is 10 times harder. I don't wanna do that. I wanna stand strong. I wanna hear the well done. And, and I've watched people in our church say no to millions of dollars, millions of dollars, 
that said, I will not enter into that compromise with this company, and they walked away. And I wanna say, your pastor's proud of you. Your pastor's proud of you. God's even more pleased with that. He's saying, live for me, stand for your values, be true. Man, our, our faith is eternal. Our sacrifice is real. It's, it's real. And, and we get very few moments to stand up for Jesus. When you get one, don't waste it. Be proud, say, I will serve this way. I pray that we can avoid Daniel chapter six. I pray that we don't have to have these things happening, but I'm asking for our church to be strengthened, to be tougher, to have more resolve within us. Do we really believe this? This isn't just a feel-good message. Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. There's salvation in no other name. We really believe this. There's no guarantee how your story will end, but I know that there's a guarantee that God will smile if you stand strong. There's a guarantee. And I think if we could talk to other people that have faced their lion's den, we were to say, was it worth it? They would say, yes, we are more than conquerors. Jesus gave us the strength. I think if we could talk to people that have lost their lives, lost everything, say, was it worth it? They'd say, yes. Death lost its sting. I think if we could talk to people that have made great sacrifice for Jesus, we'd see that they'd say, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. There's a crown of life laid up for us. And I'm asking our church to stand strong. Stand strong. Let's not look for the fight, but when the fight comes, man, we're gonna stand strong. We're gonna stand strong, just like Daniel did and just like those that have gone before us have done, and praise God, those that have come after us. Stand strong, stand strong in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying right now that you would help us to stand strong. And again, I specifically pray for those that are young in their faith, that they'd realize it's real. I think about Daniel being 80, he had such a strong faith, but there are some that are new in their faith. It's very real, you are real, this is not just a club. This is not comfort that we just tried to get through life. This is real. We're staking our life on this. So God, I pray that you'd help us to stand strong. And if and when persecution comes in Daniel chapter six in our lifetime, help us to stand strong and say, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.